TII Item 270, May 31st, 2013. The iPod Touch gets an up-downgrade. Welcome to Today in iPhone. Yeah, I like it a lot. Today in iPhone. Hey, Gullah! Oh, yeah! My beautiful iPhone, which I never have out of my hand and that I do everything with and has become an extension of whom I am. Today's episode is brought to you by the TII app, the official app for the Today in iOS podcast. Search for TII in the iTunes app store. Welcome to the show. I'm your host, Rob, and this is the Today in iOS podcast. First up, I want to thank Jeffrey for sending in the music you hear in the background. Jeffrey wrote, Hi, Rob. Here's a track called Believed. I made using GarageBand on my iPhone 4S. Regards, Jeffrey, and you can find me on Twitter at at JeffJ6. Thanks, Jeffrey, for the music. And folks, I will try to remember to put the full song at the end of the episode. I also want to thank Talman for sending in the artwork for today's show. Talman wrote, Hi, Rob. I created this on the iPhone with the app Swacker Skyrite. Regards, Talman M. Well, Talman, thanks again for sending in this artwork. Folks, you can see Talman's artwork in the TII app in the Extras for episode 270, or if you subscribe via iTunes on your computer as the album artwork, and also as a standalone post in the VIP section and at facebook.com forward slash today in iOS. As always, if you have some artwork and or music you have created on your iOS device that you would like to share with the audience, please email it to me at todayinios at gmail.com and please make sure to include which app or apps you use to create said artwork and or music. In this segment of How Wrong Were They, we have the following quote. Quote, Palm just did what Nokia, Microsoft, and RIM couldn't do, deliver a better experience than Steve Jobs did. Unquote. Robert Scoble, 8th of January, 2009. And yes, that is the same Robert Scoble that was recently videoed in a shower with his Google Glass proclaiming, Google Glass, the next big thing. Just saying. All right, if you don't like free stuff, you may want to jump ahead a couple minutes. On the last episode for Promo Codes, we had a whole boatload to offer up many of which were also available via the lotteries we are running at todayinios.com. If you have not checked out the site recently, please do so. You will see one new app. We are making promo codes available for each day through at least WWDC, which is June 10th. For the next week, we have on May 10th the app, The Gallery 2-in-1, which is an application that allows you not only to set up wallpapers, but to share them with your friends via email, SMS, or Facebook. Send an email with two-in-one in the subject line. May 31st is the app Droppy Adventures, which is a game for iOS devices. Send an email with Droppy in the subject line. June 1st is the app A Joyride of the Jetpack Iron Man, which is a game for iOS devices. Send an email with Joyride in the subject line. June 2nd is an app Dots to Dots, Connecting the Dots Pro. This is a game for iOS devices. Send an email with Dots in the subject line. That is D-O-T-S. Not, you know, actual dots or periods, but the letters D-O-T-S. June 3rd is the app Jelly Beans. This is a game for iOS devices. Send an email with Jelly Beans in the subject line. Just jelly and no soup for you. Make sure it says Jelly Beans. June 4th is the app Card Lust. This is a lifestyle app for iOS devices. Write your heart out for less than the price of a greeting card. Card Lust lets you send art and love to your friends and family. With Father's Day coming up, this would be a good one. Put card lust in the subject line of an email you send to todayinios at gmail.com. June 5th is the app Lubba, L-U-B-B-A-A. Check your mate. Love test to find the ideal partner. So that's Lubba, check your mate, love test to find the ideal partner, which is a lifestyle app for iOS devices that lets you analyze partners based on biorhythms, among other criteria. Put Lubba, L-U-B-B-A-A, in the subject line of the email you send in for that one. June 6th is the app Lost Colors, which is two words and is a game for iOS devices. Put Lost Colors in the subject line of email you send in on that one. June 7th is the app School Tools, which is an education app we have had on the show before. Now there is a universal version available. Send an email with school in the subject line. 
June 8th, we have the Lifestyle OS iOS app, My Prayer Map, whom the developers sent in this review of. Hey Rob, this is BJ Miller, owner of 6.5 Software, and I'm the developer of a new app in the iOS App Store called My Prayer Map. My Prayer Map was inspired by my pastor, Dan Anthony, of Rock Point Church in Westlake, Ohio, and he wanted an easy, straightforward app to help him manage his prayer requests while in the office or on the go, so he'd always have them with him. The app makes adding, editing, and interacting with prayers and people easy, with a delightful interface to make keeping track of prayers enjoyable. You can manage prayers requests from list view also. It's a great way to remain accountable to your prayer life. So if you're the type of person, like me, who tries to remember people to pray for when out and about but forgets, or has them spread around in three or four different reminder-type apps, My Prayer Map is for you as a centralized way to keep track of the people you love and pray for. $2.99 in the iOS App Store. It's a universal app for iPhone, iPad, and iPod Touch. Get your copy today. Thanks, Rob. BJ, thanks for the review of your app, My Prayer Map. One word. If you are interested in this app, put map in the subject line of an email you send in. Again, we will have more apps showing up each day until at least WWDC. And if the feedback on these new giveaways is positive, I might extend it beyond that. I hope to extend it beyond that. You do need Facebook or Twitter or Pinterest to enter on the site. But if you don't have them, you just need to email me per the apps you are interested in for the ones I mentioned on this episode or go live on the site before the next episode. While some of them may expire on the site, Via email, you have until at least the next episode to get those emails to me. Oh, and if you enter on the site and say you tweeted or did a pin on Pinterest, I do check to make sure the tweet or pin is still up if you're a winner. If it's not there, well then, no soup for you. Since there are so many apps, feel free to enter for every app you are interested in, especially enter online for the lottery at todayonios.com. Please tell your friends about these lotteries. And please only put one app in the subject line. You can send in multiple emails for multiple apps, but only one app per email. And when they do go live on the lottery on the webpage, like the one that went up yesterday on May 30th, which is the app, uh, the gallery two-in-one, they stay up there for five days. So it's five days online once they go up. And there should be five active ones at any given time when you go on there to choose from. As always, a quick reminder, if you are an app developer, email me if you want your app featured in the promo giveaway segment. There is never a charge for you, the dev. We just need the five promo codes or more to give away. Simply email me at todayinios at gmail.com. Please include a 60-second or less audio review of your app indicating you are the dev. Also, when you send in the promo codes, please make sure to let me know when they expire. If you don't have a 60-second review, that is fine right now. I will still briefly mention your app on the show and also make it available on the site as part of the blog post lotteries I have been running lately. So again, see todayonios.com for examples of these open lotteries. Before we get into the news, do you like podcasts? Do you like to listen or watch podcasts? Seriously. Because the EFF, the Electronic Frontier Foundation, wants to help save podcasting. This is, again, a very serious segment. A patent troll out there has been going after podcasters, sending them extortion letters, no other way around it. They are definitely extortion letters. And in some cases, even filing lawsuits. And the EFF is mad as heck, and they're not going to take it anymore. But they need everyone that listens to podcasts to help out. Well, not everyone, but they need a, a, good, a certain percentage of people that listen to help out. They just need to raise $30,000, which is not that much at all. If everyone that listens to this show donated a buck, they'd hit their goal. Okay, granted, the min amount you listed that you can donate is $25, but you can actually donate just five, so it would go well over the goal. There's a link in the show notes titled Help Save Podcasting Electronic Frontier Foundation. Click on it and help out if you like podcasts and want them to continue, or if you really just hate patent trolls. Either way, your help is needed. And yes, I made my donation of $100, which at the time put them over $20,000 towards their goal of $30,000. So yes, I put my money where my mouth is. Again, please help out. Go to the link in the show notes about saving podcasting. It is the first link for episode 270 at todayinios.com. Actually, now the EFF is up to 25,000 and counting. But please still go there and lend your support. I want to show these patent trolls that podcast listeners are serious about saving podcasting. And we are all mad as heck and not going to take it anymore. Now into some iOS news. 
Tim Cook this week was at All Things D conference talking with Walt Mossberg and Gary Swisher on stage. During their conversation, Tim Cook said, quote, on the general topic of opening up APIs, I think you'll see us open up more in the future, but not to the degree that would put customers at risk having a bad experience, unquote. Hmm. So what exactly does that mean? I can't imagine their definition of opening up more would meet the same definition as, say, someone developing as a jailbreak app. But it sure would be nice to get some of the jailbreak apps and features now banned by Cupertino, officially sanctioned by Cupertino. This does sound a little like Apple realizing, because of the amazing amount of interest in jailbreaking, that they do need to loosen up on the reins a bit. But then again, don't expect to see PDA net in the App Store anytime soon. Hopefully, Tim's comments will be better expanded upon come June 10th. At another point in the conversation, Tim Cook was also pushed or nagged by Kara Swisher about using a larger screen on the iPhone. Tim Cook responded by saying there were trade-offs with today's screens, including color, white balance, and battery life. He continued by saying that Apple's customers want Apple to weigh those and come out with a decision. Which to me is interesting in that this is the second time he's made a similar comment about trade-offs on screen size. Last time I thought he was doing that to open the way for a bigger screen by being able to say, we did the larger screen without the trade-offs. And now I'm even more convinced that this is the case. But then some people see German dictators in kitchenware. So I guess it just matters how hard you're trying to see something where nothing may actually exist. Another very interesting quote from Tim Cook was, quote, After years of selling a few hundred thousand Apple TVs, sales have reached 13 million, half of those coming in the last year, unquote. So what does 13 million Apple TVs relate to as far as market share goes in the set-top box slash digital media receiver category? Well, I'm glad you asked, and so is Philip Elmer DeWitt. Well, actually, he is more glad than me as he took the time to write a post about this very topic. Who would have thunk? Seems Apple TV's 13 million units sold is more than double Roku's 5 million units sold, because I can do math, and a bazillion times more than Boxy's box, because I fudge on math sometimes, which only sold 200,000 units before it was taken out back and put out of its misery. So Apple TV accounts for 71% of the market share for digital media receivers. Obviously, this does not include Xbox and Playstations, which have this capability, but, well, people are actually using those items to, you know, play games and not watch Madman or Lost. In any case, 13 million unit sales on a hobby is not too bad. It would make you think that Apple has really taken Apple TV seriously. That is, right up until you go to the newly redesigned Apple.com website, and try to find an Apple TV for sale without typing Apple TV in the search box. I dare you. Try it. At the top, if you click on Store, your options are Shop Mac, Shop iPad, Shop iPhone, Shop iPod. And that is it. Oh, wait. I found it. You have to click on iPod on the top bar overall, and then you see Apple TV. Still, for someone looking for Apple TV, it was tough to find. So I really don't know how seriously Apple's taking this. They're not making it easy to buy, that's for sure. But you know what? On June 10th, we'll find out if Apple really, really is serious about Apple TV if they announce the ability to develop apps for Apple TV. Of course, I hoped and wished for that last year. Guess I'll have to keep that one in the bingo chart again. One other thing Tim Cook talked about at All Things D was wearable computing. And he basically said he thinks Google Glass, best case, is a niche product without massive mainstream appeal. Oh, snap. I've read some other articles recently where people have Google Glass or know others that do say only those that are forced to wear them keep wearing them after the novelty wears off. Tim Cook did praise Nike Fuel Band as an example of a product that already works well, a wearable computer product that is, he did say that most good wearable computing approaches today focus on doing one thing. That said, I still see an iWatch as something that is a morph of the Pebble and the Nike Fuel Band. While Tim has dogged multi-purpose devices before, i.e. combining a toaster and a refrigerator, we should not forget the iPhone is the ultimate multi-purpose device. Phone, camera, email, iPod, GPS, all in one device. So to think that the iWatch would combine the Fuel Band and the Pebble is not as far-fetched 
once you realize that Apple really does like multi-purpose devices. On Thursday, May 30th, Apple announced or told The Loop that they have sold 100 million iPod Touches since they launched that device back in 2007. Congrats, Apple. So how did Apple mark this significant milestone, you ask? Well, by giving the low-end iPod Touch an up-downgrade today. Previously, the low-end was a $199 fourth-gen 16-gig iPod Touch. Now, it is a $229 fifth-gen 16-gig iPod Touch. From an upgrade perspective, it received the larger 4-inch screen and faster A5 processor. On the downgrade side, it lost the rear camera. Now, where did I put that camera? I just set it down here a second ago. Anyway, it is available just in black on silver, and it lost the holding button for the wrist strap, which does mean it is slightly lighter at 86 grams versus the hefty 88 grams for the 32 and 64 gig 5th gen iPod touches. Good thing they have that wrist strap on those heavier ones. It is interesting that Apple picked now to phase out the old iPod touch and intro the new one. My guess is that will have something to do with what iOS devices will work with iOS 7, which might mean only iOS devices with A5 and newer processors, that would mean no iPhone 4 for iOS 7. Which, when I put it like that, kind of makes it sound like I'm rambling like an idiot. Okay, maybe best to just wait until WWDC before starting rumors that the iPhone 4 will not be supported by iOS 7. But still, interesting timing nonetheless. Hi Rob, this is Richard calling from Slovakia. I might possibly have an answer for your listener Nick who's having a problem with his camera not focusing and the image being blurry. The reason might be a dirt inside the camera cover. Uh, this happened to me before and cleaning the camera lens cover did help and it was no software issue at all. So maybe he can try this and hope this helps. Take care. Bye-bye. Richard, thanks for that feedback. Hope that helps, Nick. Into the email bag we go. Hi, Rob. Per the listener with the iPad 1, app that's having loading issues. Your caller might want to try logging out of his user ID, the Apple user ID, on his iPad and logging back in. Seems to me I had an issue like this and that helped me. Regards, Dan in Parrish, Florida. Hi Rob. Per the guy with the iPad problem, he probably has a corrupt version on iTunes on his XP. Updates to iTunes do not fix iTunes issues as the original problem remains. He should uninstall iTunes from his XP his backups will remain and be stored in a different area. Reinstall iTunes after reboot. This should fix his issue. Of course, cleaning out spies and fixing registry issues might help as well. Regards, Chris in London. Gentlemen, thanks for your suggestions. Back to the email back. Hi, Rob. Does FaceTime work if you are calling internationally? I imagine it should if you're using the receiver's email address. Please let me know if it does. Regards, Tassano. Yes, FaceTime works fine internationally. Think of it like Skype. Just as long as both parties have a good data connection to the internet. Now, if one of you happened to be on a carrier that blocks FaceTime, that would be an issue. Having a good Wi-Fi connection to the internet on both ends, and you should be able to FaceTime from any two points on the globe. Well, except like in North Korea or other countries that severely limit internet access. Back to the Emma bag. Hi, Rob. Wondering if you or your listeners can help me? I'm waiting to print a booklet from my Pages app on iPad. It needs to be A4 folded in half. Example, times two A5 landscape pages. I have an Epson XP405 AirPrint enabled printer, if this helps. Ryu, Sheffield, England. And I know I got your name wrong, but hey, Ryu, thanks for asking. To change that is so easy. Click on the wrench in the upper right, then select Document Setup, then select on the, the uh, curved upper corner of the document in the lower right side, then just tap on A4, then print. So again, select the wrench, then select document setup, then select the curved up corner in the lower right side, then just tap on A4, then print. I mean, that wasn't obvious, was it? Okay, in all honesty, I searched for that option for at least 25 minutes or more. They did a good job hiding it down there. Luckily, I did find it, as I likely would not have recorded the show tonight if I did not find it, because I'd still be looking for it. Sometimes I get stuck on things like that. Apple's chief Tim Cook facing some outraged senators. Finally, some accountability for Apple Maps. I mean, come on. <laughs> Maybe some prison time 
Maybe some prison time will make those guys think twice about directing me to a Chipotle in the middle of the Hudson River. Actually, Apple CEO Tim Cook was called in to face the wrath of senators, wondering how Apple had avoided paying taxes on $44 billion in income in the last four years, in part by stashing over $100 billion in nearly tax-free offshore subsidiaries. Go get them, new boys! I'm very proud of Apple. We love the iPhone and the iPad. I got one right here. You've managed to change the world, which is an incredible legacy. I harassed my husband until he converted to a MacBook. Your products are great. My granddaughter even knows how to use it. I love Apple. I love Apple. I... I want to I f*** you. I want to... What the f is that? What is the opposite of a genius bar? <laughs> Apparently, there is nothing Apple can do to get us mad at them. They're dodging taxes. They got suicide prevention nets outside their health factories. We could find out they're using kitten hearts to power iPhones. <laughs> and we'd be like, well, if it doubles battery life, I'll take two. That segment, obviously, from The Daily Show with Jon Stewart. And I play it not to steal his content, but for a fair use purpose, because I've had a lot of people ask why I have, com I have not commented more about Tim Cook's U.S. Senate testimony and people asking about Apple and cheating on taxes or not paying their fair share to the U.S. government. Except here's the problem with those questions and the comments that Jon Stewart just made, because he actually got it wrong. Apple did not cheat on their taxes and did pay their fair share of U.S. taxes. Or Apple did pay their fair share of U.S. taxes. Got that? They did not cheat on their U.S. taxes. They don't owe anything. And all the stuff, the entities that they set up in Ireland, that was for their international business and was connected to sales not in the U.S. And hence, did not affect what they paid for U.S. taxes. So even if they had paid 40% taxes in Ireland instead of 2%, it would not have affected the amount that they would have paid in the U.S., which, as Apple put it, they did pay about 140th of all corporate taxes paid in the U.S. last year. So Apple's paying their fair share and then some. Tim Cook said to Congress, Apple followed both the letter of the law and the spirit of the law when paying their U.S. taxes. What Apple has not done is bring profits made overseas back into the U.S., which really would make no sense for them to bring back to the U.S. anyway, as they'd be taxed on those money again. And then if they needed to send the money back out to pay for components and other stuff, they'd have to, you know, they'd have lost a lot of it. Plus, Apple can better use that money overseas to secure, as I mentioned, components and manufacturing capacity. And there is just no reason for Apple to bring that money to the U.S. unless they want to give it to the shareholders. Again, Apple did not cheat on their taxes and did not move money into Cayman Islands or other tax cheating scams like some other tech companies have done. Apple did get a sweetheart deal in Ireland and they paid less there for some taxes. But still, Apple did pay their taxes that were due in the local governments where sales came. I know I'm sounding like an Apple fanboy here, but... What you should do and what Jon Stewart and his writing team need to do, check out the article on Forbes titled, Did Apple Cheat on Its Taxes? Very good article. And again, it goes over the fact that that $44 billion and the money that's outside the U.S., that was money earned outside the U.S. That money isn't due for the U.S. taxman. That's money that's due to other countries' taxmen, not the U.S. taxman. Now, if Apple wanted to bring said money back into the U.S., then they have to pay more taxes, which is one of the reasons they don't bring it back. The other reason they don't bring it back is they don't need to bring it back. Switching gears. No, Apple did not flash an iWatch in their latest iPhone ad. The one about people listening to music on their iPhone. Seems there is a scene in the commercial that a guy is drumming on the table and you see a biggish, squarish looking device on his right wrist, making some speculate that it is the new iWatch. Yes, because Apple is so apt at giving unreleased product to actors in commercials so they can be seen up close by all those working on the ad and, well, everyone that the ad goes out to. Yeah, just not gonna happen. Other rumors we can kill quickly? An iPad 13-inch version. Nope. A sub-$500 iPad Mini 2. 
Nope. Any rumor originating with Digitimes? Nope. Okay, that last one's kind of carte blanche on every episode. Other rumors with regards to the next iPhone coming from the Japanese site Maka Takora. Not that the iPhone's coming from the Japanese site Maka Takora, but the rumors are. Which has had hit or miss results in the past. That's Maka Takora, not the iPhone. They have the next-gen iPhone coming in many different colors. Think iPod Touch. Well, 32 and 64 gig versions at least. And also coming in a dual flash or with a dual flash. Finally, it is rumored there might be a lower cost variant of this iPhone too. So rather than selling the iPhone 5, 4S, and 4, there would, I guess, be the 5S expensive and the 5S not expensive? Yeah, the rumor was not clear there either. Thanks to John M. for pointing out, Microsoft did update their ad I mentioned on the last show, the one where they said the Asus screen was larger when it was not. Seems someone in Redmond borrowed their 6th graders geometry book and a calculator and figured out that they were wrong and changed the ad. Oh, back to the email bag. Hi, Rob. I'm writing in response to your caller who had the problem with Siri not working when he got the pebble. Thankfully, st Siri still works for me, but there has been a delay sometimes when I try to activate her up. I have seen this, that delay periodically since I got my pebble. The only Bluetooth devices I have are the Motorola speaker, a Jawbone earpiece, and a JBL charge. The JBL charge is great, by the way. Highly recommended as a small portable speaker. It puts out great sound and also serves as a backup battery for your iPhone. It works great while camping. Regards, Mitch from Winston-Salem. Hi, Rob. Just wanted to contact you with a quick app review that I think other listeners will find useful. I was looking for a way for my father to view photos from PhotoStream on his iPhone or iPad on their TV screen, rather than having to play pass the iPad around at the table when they have friends over. Purchasing an Apple TV was an option, but was an expensive way of going about it. Plus, that would mean a gadget hanging from the wall from a wall-mounted TV, which wouldn't go down too well. They have a DLNA-enabled TV and a Blu-ray player connected to Wi-Fi, so I select search for an app in the App Store and came across SKIFTA. That's S-K-I-F-T-A, Skifta. Skifta enables you to access music, photos, and video from your Wi-Fi-connected iOS device, and even better, it's free. The early release was a bit slow and buggy, but version 0.092 is pretty good, and I was able to watch a film stored on my iPad, and the quality was remarkable. Some DLNAT uh, players are not visible on the network, however. For these, you can select Play on Unlisted Player within the app, then search within the viewing devices for media sources labeled SKIFTA under Photos, Video, etc. using your TV remote. Regards, Julian in Suffolk, UK. Back to the email bag. Hi, Rob. We could use some help, that's backers that is, with the funded project TapCaps. All we have gotten are updates. Alice Ning, TapCaps head had been updating us about every four weeks after the close of funding. Last update was on January 17th, 2013, and her last post under the comment section was on May 7th, 2012. Any help would be great. We don't know if she's taken the money and ran with it, ran out of money, and is hiding from all of us or if she's been run over by a car. Please see what you can do. Uh, other projects I have funded have shipped their items or they have been keeping us informed with updates on the status. The funders of this project are worried that like the iGeode project, uh, but this one, none of us have gotten a single product on. Regards, Thomas in Tuscaloosa, Alabama. Hi, Thomas. I reached out to Alice for comments yesterday via a couple emails I found for her around the web, and she did reply back. Here is her reply. And again, this is for the TAP CAPS project. Quote, Hello, Rob. Thanks for your email. At this point, the only way that TAP CAPS can be brought to market is if it can be sold to a company that has a complementary line of products. There's just no way I can bring it to market myself, given the amount of initial capital necessary for manufacturing run and what I've learned about the retail business. There have been a number of infringers on my patent, which unfortunately... I have the sole responsibility of enforcing, so the legal fees have been a huge expense that used up my personal reserve. U.S. patent law is very heavily favors large companies and those with lots of resources. 
Honestly, there isn't a good news to share. I feel like a tremendous failure and have been working a lot since I spent pretty much my entire life savings on this project. The unforeseen costs were just ridiculous. I know I need to send an update via Kickstarter, but I've just been waiting desperately for some positive news to share. I've been trying to sell the product, and there have been many companies that seem to be interested, but each keeps ending in disappointment. I'm now waiting on the final company to decide, but the problem is that there has been too much competition in the market to make this a desirable product. I caveated in the rewards that delivery of tap caps was dependent on the successful completion of a manufacturing campaign, so I've been trying to work out the numbers and see how there might be any way I can provide that number of rewards. I may send out the prototypes which may not meet expectations as to how they perform. I am incredibly sorry for the disappointment this project has caused. How to resolve it is something I'm still trying to work out. Thank you for giving me the opportunity to provide feedback to your listeners. Regards, Alice. Unquote. I want to thank Alice for sending that letter. It had to be an extremely tough email to send in. So as for any funders of TapCaps, there's your update. It does not sound like the news is what you wanted to hear. Please note, all Kickstarter and Indiegogo projects are risks. We hope each one will fund, we fund will come out to be. But sometimes startups never get started. And it sounds like this is the case with this one. That all said, over at Kickstarter, there's a new project that just launched. Hmm, new and just launched. Guess that was kind of redundant. Anyway, I thought this one was interesting. It is called Ariba, A-R-R-I-B-A. And it is for iOS devices with lightning ports. What it is, is an adapter that allows you to charge your iOS device with a 30-pin connector or a micro USB connector. This way, when you're out and about, you are almost certain to find a charging solution for your device. It is designed to be placed on your keychain. They have a very modest goal of $8,500. Way to go, guys. You had me at goal. So far, they have about $1,000 pledged, but they have 33 days to go. That is until July 3rd at 2.48 p.m. Eastern Time, to be precise. The pricing for the early bird special is $25, and they have about 400 of the 450 early bird specials remaining. Even if you don't have an iPhone yet with Firewire, you may want to consider this as the delivery date is September, which should be about when the next iPhone will be out. Note, you cannot sync your device via the adapter. It's just for charging. Search for Ariba. A-R-R-I-B-A at kickstarter.com or in the show notes for episode 270 over today on iOS.com. Good luck, guys, and way to keep the goal low. Thanks to Tash for this next one, which is about a major update to the Shazam app, including it going universal, meaning just one app for both iPhone and iPad, no longer two different apps. It also added mapping features, which lets you see what songs are being tagged where. And there is also an auto-tag feature where it listens to music playing around you automatically and tags songs without you hitting a button. And this includes running and tagging in the background. I guess I'm confused on the purpose of that feature. I mean, other than to drain your battery life, that is. Anyway, if you are a Shazam user, go check out the update. And as always, the app is free, as in zilch, zip, nada. Here's a story I didn't report on the last episode because I'm stuck. And I'm still not sure what to make of the report about an iPhone interfering with a regional jet's compasses. The story reported in Business Week and then re-reported everywhere in the past two weeks seems greatly overdone. The supposed story is a regional jet taking off noticed some issues with its compass around 9,000 feet up, and the issue did not go away until the flight attendant had one of the passengers turn off his iPhone. Could an issue like this happen on a major jet like a 737 or larger? Most likely not. After all, most people don't turn their phones off anyway. And most just turn off the screen and put, and most don't even put them into airplane mode until after you turn the devices back on at 10,000 plus feet. So this is not a widespread issue. I mean, there's millions of flights out there with people with their phones on. I kept waiting for a uh, good rebuttal or confirmation of this story and all I can find in searching on this one was a couple of other stories from 2012 timeframe of pilots talking about smaller regional jets also having their old compasses affected by cell phones. 
and they know there is one active by the clickety-clack interference. That is a telltale sign of a cell phone getting data. You know the sound, the ones that Blackberries make when they're checking for emails. Anyway, I think the long of the short is if you are in a regional jet, turn off your cell phones and make sure they're in airplane mode before you turn them off, before taking off, so that when you turn the phone back on in flight, it doesn't come on. So essentially, if you get on an airplane and they start moving passengers around for a load balance, that is a plane you want to make sure you turn your iPhone off before takeoff. Back to the email back. Hey Rob, I have an issue I hope you or your listeners can help me solve. I have an iPhone 5 with the latest version of iOS, but since I've installed said version, my keyboard shortcuts don't work, even though they're still listed in the settings menu. I've tried deleting and recreating them to no avail. Is anyone experiencing this problem, and is there a fix for my non-jailbroken iPhone? Regards, Tammy near St. Louis. And that one I'll send out to the listeners. If anyone has a solution for Tammy and has lost their keyboard shortcuts in iOS after upgrading to iOS 6.1.4, which obviously is the most recent version for the iPhone 5, please let us know. 206-666-6364, that's 206-MOON-DOG, or send an email to todayinios at gmail.com. Hi Rob, just wanted to drop you a line about some content I've created that iOS fans may enjoy. First, I created two Pebble watch faces on mypebblefaces.com. That's mypebblefaces.com. First one is called Apple Classy, and the second one is Mustang, an American legend. Also, uh, the latest post on my blog is a rundown of my favorite 100 apps. They're broken down by category and separated into three tables by device, iPhone, iPad, and Universal. I created it into an answer the age-old question of new iPhone owners, what are some of the good apps I should get? I figure there are some listeners out there that would find this helpful. You can find it at lowsbrain, L-O-U-S-B-R-A-I-N dot wordpress dot com forward slash 2013 forward slash 05 forward slash 25 forward slash top dash 100 dash iOS dash apps. Oh yeah, I better put a link to that one in the show notes. In episode 269, a caller was having a problem with installing apps where they said, just waiting. I've seen this occasionally. What seems to work for me is update all your apps in iTunes on your computer, then connect your iPad and sync. I've also seen this issue with Siri not working right with the Pebble synced. I'm usually in the car with the stereo connected through the headphone jack. It seems like the microphone isn't picking up my voice. I haven't found a fix or a workaround yet, but I'll check back if I do. Regards, Lou V. Back to the email bag. Hi Rob, I bought an iPad 4th gen about two weeks ago. This is my first iPad. I have had the iPhone 5 since the launch and I use Siri quite a bit. When I first started using Siri on my iPad, her voice sounded muffled and more computerish than on my iPhone. Comparing the two, there was a significant difference. After a day or so, Siri's voice changed and became just like the iPhone. Had to exchange the iPad because of a small problem with the home button, and Siri's voice was weird on the brand new iPad as well. Compared Siri's voice on the iPad side by side with uh, in the Apple store with the sales rep, and he easily could hear the difference. It took longer, about a week, but finally Siri sounds normal on my iPad again. I've talked to several people at the Apple store and at Apple Care, but no one has ever heard of this before. I'm surprised because Apple is all about the customer experience and having a voice I had come to be familiar with, change suddenly was an uncomfortable experience. Have you heard of this? Do you know what's going on with Siri? Thanks, Michael from Seattle. Um, no and no. Nope, never heard of it, and I have no idea what's going on. If anyone has had this issue and has any clue about what's going on or has heard about this before, please let us know. 206-666-6364. That's 206 Moondog. Hi, Rob. Here is a review of a jailbreak app really like. It's called the Mini Player App, one word, by M. Pow. Well, Mini Player is one word, app is the second word, but Mini Player, one word, app by M. Pow and Serenix. Serenix. S-U-R-E-N-I-X. I guess it really doesn't matter. This is a $1.99 app. It is a sweet Mini Player widget that hovers over all your apps to allow easy access to your music, even from the lock screen in the Cydia store. Similar in design to iTunes 11 mini player, players and controls your music um, playing from your music library and or music services like Spotify. 
which through settings can be set as default with variable activator actions and gesture preferences. New to the latest version is a search facility added to the player. You can move the mini player by just tapping and moving anywhere you like. Tap on the edge and it closes to a small edge tab on the left or right. Tap on the tab and it springs to the middle uh, screen for the iPhone or iPad. Tap and hold the album art and it opens the volume control. Tap on the center with scrolling album art is name and song info. It brings up the pause skip features. Tap on the left to close uh, to tab as and as an app switcher opens the music app and or Spotify or other music apps you select in settings. Swipe to hide and other features. You can also change the color theme to a dark one or keep it as a silver one. Check out the video in Cydia. I really like this one. Regards, Chris in London. And again, folks, that's called Mini Player, one word. Hey, Rob, it's Gary Belts from McKee's Rocks again. I know you said you don't talk about Mac that much, but I don't know if you were aware, but when you mentioned Ken Ray from Mac OS Ken and MacCast Adam Christensen, I don't know if you're aware, but uh, Tim Verporten, who did the Mac the Mac Review Cast and was a member of the Mac Roundtable podcast, passed away recently. Also, I wanted to mention about your idea of having the database where the customer who buys the used item reports it in the check to see if it's on a stolen list. The only problem with that is there would have to be a way that for eBay, the laws would have to change that would make every iPhone, iPad, and every other phone, for that matter, or tablet, report the serial number on the eBay listing. Otherwise, by the time the person gets the item, reports the serial number to try and use it and finds out that it's stolen, the person could easily just close the doors on their eBay shop and run away, refuse refunds, which the person would eventually get back by doing a chargeback with PayPal or their credit card company or having to do police or magistrate work if it was an in-person sale. But again, this would be a pain in the butt for a lot of people, not to mention more money spent on attorney's fees and whatnot. I think that would be the only nail in the coffin that would prevent this from being carried out. It happened to me, actually. I was looking for a backup phone in case my iPhone went dead and I needed a phone since my cell phone is my only means of connection. So I bought this cheesy little Nokia Verizon phone on eBay for $10 and I went to test it on Verizon. I activated it, followed the procedures, and the lady from Verizon said that they couldn't complete the activation because the ESN, which is Verizon's version of the serial number of the IMEI was on a blacklist and I would have to try and contact the original owner or wait either six months or a year for it to come off the blacklist. Unfortunately, as Homer Simpson would say in this case, go keep up the good work and I'll look forward to hearing next week's show. Gary, something has to change. There's just too much apple picking going on. What's eventually going to have to happen with eBay or other places is they're going to, that are doing these reselling, they're going to have to hold the money. You know, somebody will buy the device, they'll ship it to the other person, they'll confirm the serial number was what was put up there. And yes, you're going to have to put your serial number up on the device that you're going to sell on eBay. And it's going to have to confirm that that number's there. And again, again eventually Apple has to have a database for this. And you're going to confirm what was sent to you was what the serial number they said. And if it's not then the money doesn't get transferred to the person that was selling it. And the money goes back to the person and the device, which now is a stolen device, you can take to your local Apple store and just turn it over to Apple. You keep your money and whoever the device belonged to, Apple will get it back to the person that it belongs to. Something has to change. There has to be a better system. Apple needs to work with eBay and other resellers on this. Now, situations like Craigslist, where a lot of devices are stolen and resold, Again, this is where there needs to be an app where you go to meet someone at the parking lot of your local police station. You just scan the back of the device with the app from your iPhone or other iOS device. And it says, this is a good device or this is device is stolen. Keep your money in your pocket. Walk away. Whatever the case. But there has to be something. There has to be something that Apple initiates on this. Apple picking is becoming not just a nuisance and an inconvenience, but a deadly event. More and more people are going to die because of Apple picking. 
another person was just dragged by a car and he didn't die. But again, things are happening like this all too often. And when things happen where a 15 year old is killed for his iPad that his father got him for his birthday, that's just tragic. And, and bad news sometimes enacts bad laws, but there's going to have to be something here, something to protect the consumer, something to put a disincentive behind stealing these devices. Because right now, it is easy Apple picking for people. They grab the device and they can easily turn it for cash. And, and that's got to change. And by the way, having a national database with devices that have been stolen, this is not a real big tech hurdle for Apple. This is them throwing a few developers at this, maybe a few dozen developers at this for a short period of time. They have the money, they have the resources, they really do need to make this happen. I'm sorry, in this case, Apple has been wrong and they've just ignored this problem too long and the problem's now gotten out of hand. And by the way, if you're at Apple and you wanna email me privately and tell me why I'm wrong here, please let me know. But otherwise, I think Apple needs to step up and make good and change the situation that we're currently in. Quick update, I went back to the EFF site for Save Podcasting. When I did my donation earlier today, it was at 20000 By the time I started recording the show, right before I started recording, it was at 25000 And now at the end of the episode, we're at 32000 And the goal was 30000 And the goal was to raise 30000 in two weeks. They raised over 30000 in under 10 hours. Here is the message from the EFF. Wow, you've raised over $30,000 to help cover the fees needed to try to bust the bogus overbroad patent being used to threaten podcasters, and you did it in under 10 hours. We're going to get to work bringing the best case we can straight to the U.S. Patent Office to invalidate the podcasting patent and stop the patent troll, whose name I will not mention, from doing more damage to online broadcasters. But the road ahead will be long, and this patent is not alone. It's clear that much more has to be done to stop the fight stupid patents like this one and to stop patent trolls. Donate now to ensure EFF can continue to lead the charge against trolls and contribute to the growing movement to stop stupid patents for good. Thank you, the EFF. Again, if you're a podcast listener, please still go there and donate. If you're a podcaster, please make sure you mention this. Look for the link titled help save podcasting in the show notes for episode 270 over todayinios.com. Once again, folks, don't forget about the app giveaways over at todayinios.com. A new one is going up every day and they stay active for five days. So check out the site now and check it out often and see if there are any apps that you're interested in. Again, I'll be launching a new app each day at 12 a.m. Eastern time until at least WWDC based on your feedback and participation. Next episode should be out mid to late next week, probably more late next week. And it's going to probably be more about speculating what's going to be announced at WWDC. So if you have some ideas on what you would like to see in iOS 7, what you think if it's announced will be good, and if it's not announced will be bad, let us know before mid next week. Give us a call, 206-666-6364. That's 206-MOON-DOG. Or record your feedback and email it to the show at todayinios at gmail.com. And then, of course, you can also send in any other feedback that way. It can be a question or comment for something someone said on this episode, or it can be a question or rant that you have about something else. An app or product review, good or bad, as long as it's iOS-related, it's welcomed. I'm always looking for new artwork to feature that you created on iOS device. Just put some TII branding on it and send it in. And, of course, we are always looking for more music created on an iOS device to play on the show. This is your show. Your feedback is greatly desired. Also, looking for more Snap Guides. If you've created a Snap Guide with the Snap Guide app that really has anything to do with anything, I don't care if it's iOS related or not. If it's a Snap Guide, I guess it's iOS related. You have an interesting Snap Guide you've created, even if it's how to make a red velvet cupcakes, let me know. I'll mention it on the show. And finally, if you want to enjoy this show and new episodes when they go up and find out right away when they go up, look for the TI app. Not just the best way to consume the show, but a great way to get push messages when new episodes go live. Or there is other iOS breaking news. Just $2.99 in the App Store helps you get the most out of the show, and it helps support the show at the same time. Plus, it makes it really easy to email or call the show with your feedback. Again, just search for TII in the iTunes App Store. And that, folks, is going to do it for us today. Until the next time, I'm your host, Rob, from Today in iOS, reminding you to phone different. 
This show is hosted on Libsyn.com and part of the Wizard Media Network. If you are looking for hosting, go to Libsyn.com, that's L-I-B-S-Y-N.com, for hosting for your podcast and for creation of your own smartphone app. The Today in iOS podcast can also be found on the free Stitcher radio app. Just search for T-I-I. Okay, this last piece here is totally un-iOS related, but I thought you might get a kick out of this. I am a Star Trek fan. Big Star Trek fan. I did everything I could to avoid anything about any trailers or spoilers with the new Star Trek movie, uh, Star Trek Into Darkness. I did such a good job of, of not hearing about anything that when I went at, to the midnight showing of Star Trek, the opening night, I went the wrong night. They had moved it back one day. Because I avoided all the news about the new Star Trek movie, I didn't see that they moved the launch date from the 17th to the 16th. So when I showed up at midnight on the 16th, going into the 17th, I was one day off for the midnight showing. Oh! But on the plus side, when I finally did see the movie, I was completely surprised because I hadn't heard anything about the big reveal. So go see the movie. Great movie. Two thumbs up. Can't wait to get that on DVD and see it three or four or five more times.